Hi, and welcome to episode 35 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. My name's Maria Stolger, and my guest today is Prudence Flint. She's won many art awards, including the Doug Moran National Portrait Prize, the Portia Geach Memorial Award, and the Len Fox Painting Award. She's also been shortlisted many times, 13 times in the Portia Geach alone. So I'm assuming that if you have an interest in painting in Australia, it's very likely you're familiar with her work. She paints women, usually in an interior setting and often in an intimate, solitary moment. It might be in the bathroom showering or in the bedroom lying on a bed staring up towards the ceiling or in the kitchen drinking a glass of water. It's this moment in space that she explores in the most unique way through her use of light, colour, portrayal of space and magnificent use of distortion. I met up with Prudence in her home in Melbourne where she has her studio and where I found a painting at the easel and the seeds of a new series on the wall. We had a wonderful few hours talking about her life and how she found her way to how and what she paints. But what I found particularly interesting were her insights into the workings of the inner critic, which is something I'm sure most artists have encountered. Her approach to that is inspired and really taps into the mysteries of the creative process. Prudence's show Bedsit is opening the week this podcast goes online at Australian Galleries in Sydney. Details of that show are on talkingwithpainters.com, as are images of the paintings we talk about. I started by asking Prudence where she grew up. I grew up down the high, if you just stay on this highway, just keep going for 20 minutes in Mentone, down in the southeast suburbs. Oh, it's, of Melbourne? Yeah, yeah, oh, near yeah. the beach, same as here, you know, near kind of stone's throw from the beach, a right. bit more than that. But, and, yeah. Um, yeah, it was kind of a nice place to grow up. And do you have any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I've something? got three older brothers, and um, my mum was 42 when she had me, so I was... And there was five years difference between all of us, so I was very much the last child. And yeah. oh, okay. And were they? So were your brothers um, interested in art at all? My brother, that's nearest me in age, he was the artist when we were young. Oh, and then, right. um, what did he do? Like, <laughs> well, he he was the one who he used to paint and you know paint the walls of the art room and. You know, he, he was the artist and then he went and did graphics and I followed in his footsteps. And I think I didn't have the same pressure on me that he did to kind of, you know, be, be somebody, you know, have a work, working job. So I, I think it left me with a bit more freedom. What's your first memories of, like, sort of art at school or anything like that? Yeah, I always loved art at school and I was always really into clothes and um, beautiful things. So I... Mm. And I was really interested in women's clothing and beauty as a concept. I, so I, I thought I wanted to um, go and work for a, a fashion magazine. Oh, that okay. was my passion when I was in my teenage years because I suppose that was my version what was what I was that's that's all that I could work out what women you could do as a woman if you wanted if you were interested in in aesthetics and 
and so I I went and did graphics and um and I did fashion illustration we did photography and and um I went and did interviews with Vogue and I went and lugged up my big folio up to Sydney and met the woman editor of Vogue and you know it was it was a really full-on world and I didn't have any connections to help me. Why did you want to go to Sydney? Because that's where they all were. Oh right. Yeah it wasn't that I wanted it was just so I went and stayed in the YWCA, is that the women's? Oh, right. So you didn't know anybody. No. You sort of just went, you just yes. came, went up. I know, I look of... back now and I think, <laughs> you poor little thing. You know, I went up on the train with some Darrow sitting beside me trying to <laughs> talk to me all night. Um, <laughs> the overnight train from Melbourne. Yes. Oh, with my big folio that's like, hey, this big, <laughs> lugging it up the street all on my own. Oh, how I, brilliant. I know. I look back now and think, wow, you know. So the idea was, was I'll go and get a job in Sydney. Yeah. So, where did, so did you end up getting a job? Yeah, I did, I did a few freelance jobs, but I crashed. I didn't do well at it. I, I'd moved out of home and I was living in a share house in Carlton and it was all that era of nightclubs and not that I was a big – I wasn't a drinker or anything, but it was all uh, – you know, trying to kind of find a stable life, you know, you had no money and Mm. I was waitressing and trying to do these little freelance jobs. And I did a few and, um, but is this like the eighties? Yep. Yep. It's the eighties. Yep. But I I only tried to do it for a year or two. And I really started thinking, I want to do my own thing. And, And I was living in Carlton and I was a stone throw from Ian Potter Gallery in, at the Melbourne University. Mm-hmm. And I used to go over there and see all these paintings like Jenny Watson, Vivian Sharklewit. And I used to think, these are incredible. And I started thinking, maybe this is what I want to do. But it was like I had no one... There was not that I didn't know anyone that was an artist or it was just like a little inkling that maybe I need to do my own thing. That's what I'm that's what I was good at at college when I had my imagine I could just do what I wanted. So it was like a year of really wrenching myself away from what I thought I wanted to do and and then I went back to school. I there was TOP, which is like TAFE down the road was RMIT they had a TAFE just down literally down the road from where I lived and I I started going I went back to school and everyone thought I was crazy because I and I was really I didn't I was kind of lost I I thought I you know I had these because um, I did really well at, co- at, at design college and you know I thought I knew what I wanted to do and it all kind of started crashing down on me mm. and um so what what because because I just realized when I started doing the freelance jobs it was quite a it was very hard and I had no support system I I was in this tiny little room about as big as a bathroom and mm. with a desk and it was um was it isolating as yeah well? totally isolating and I and I you know you'd be given these briefs and and I was clueless mm. you know I was clueless to what the whole, this is what you have to do. You have to kind of fit into the world. And I, I remember I got a job with, a freelance job with Dolly. And it was, I look back now and think, how sexist. It was asking male rock stars what their favourite, what their class, their favourite woman type was. And I had to do a, <laughs> I had to try and do a kind of a, a drawing of it. 
Oh, I guess kind of like right. I, yeah, and oh, so, so like a conglomeration of all these attributes you had to yeah. make it into this woman. Yeah, I know. And you just <laughs> no see, wonder you couldn't do so, it. That is, I know. The only one I liked was Stephen Cummings. He he said he really liked you know classic, you know, and the, and, I, and I, but you know, that's so weird. So you yeah. can understand why when I saw the Jenny Watsons. So yeah. it was a philosophical awakening that was happening. But it was very painful at the time. I realised I didn't really want to work for a magazine. I realised that it was, it was really... And I also when I went for the interviews with Vogue and, and you'd see the kind of young girls checking me out and I, you know, and I, and, yeah. and I, I, I could see this is, a, this is a really tough world. I, yeah. Maybe not what I want. Sort of a... a sort of critical sort of yeah in a certain way mm. and maybe not what I want and not my interest because mm, 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 mm. I think I I was interested in freedom in my mind and making something of that but I didn't know that at the time yeah. it's like I had to just kind of fail and fall and get up and and um so then I went back and and did T.O.P. and we started they got us painting them in oils and draw, doing a lot of drawing, you know, still just really construction, still lives. And, and um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed getting back to the physicality of the charcoal. And I remember first learning to use oil paint, like it was all thick and gunky and, and so different from design, but I loved it. I remember thinking, and I'd have my overalls on and I loved the, I love the physicality of it. Yeah. I just took to it. And then I, went, so the, and then I went and got into VCA. Yeah. And, um, so, and what was VCA like? Well, it was great, but it was hard because you kind of have to survive it. You, you get it. You, I got in and, I, and then you're given this little space and, and you kind of got to kind of sink or swim. Mm. And it's... What is it? You sort of got to find your own... Yep. Thing. And you've got a lot of static happening everywhere around you. And, and I'm not a person who enjoys being around people too much. I, I like a lot of time on my own. I really, um, and so I found it quite hard to just protect myself. And, mm. and, um, and, it, and I was in a year with a lot of women. It was probably really good for me, though. A lot of women, really strong women. And there were feminist groups and we'd read oh. Chris Diva and but I found that really kind of hard because um it, it felt like the women it's almost like you'd feel a bit bullied there'd be a bit of bullying going on between the women and so because you weren't you um because you either had to become very mm. political mm. or you had to become an artist, basically. Mm. And I, I think politics and art, for me, it, it's very tricky to tread that road. And, and I, I look back now and I think I wanted to be, I wanted, I'm interested in my own psychology of how I tread it all. And I'm very interested in how, women survive our culture but being political doesn't always help me as an artist when you say being political do you mean 
um, talking about it um, publicly as to yeah. what it means? Yeah, I'm talking about it because it, because it, look, I feel that I am political. Mm. I am political, and mm. my work is political. But I feel that it's like a dream. I want it open ended because I, I I don't want to have to be PC. Like a dream is not PC. I want to be able to have freedom. Yeah, that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in freedom. So it for me it was very tricky that political. Um, and I love reading all the feminist writers, mm. but there's a point where I have to put it down and I have to live and I have to, I have to listen to, I have to listen to myself and, and it, kind of go through it. I have to go through all the paradoxes and contradictions and, and all the, to be true and to real to, for myself. Mm. So when I was in that year at college, I used to find um, by the end of the, the three years, I'd kind of isolated myself to get on with my work. And it was very painful for me at the time. But I, really, I look back now and think that was me being true to my work. And I've had to do that along all the way. So even at that point, when you're at VCA, was were your paintings dealing with women? Yes, pretty much exclusively. Yes. That's what happened in the first year. Um, you know, I went in and I thought mountains, and you know, <laughs> but that was a freedom in itself. Because, and then I started to, um, you know, realize that how I have to kind of, what is it that drives me? What is it that I'm obsessed with? So the women started, the women, the images of women started to come up. And, mm. and um, it's interesting that, mm. that, that, you're, that you came from that fashion design yeah, yeah. Yeah. and that, you, that, that exposure to the way women were treated in that industry yeah. Yeah. and that this is what was bubbling up yeah. when you are at VCA. Because I thought, I thought for a while I couldn't get away with doing women I couldn't be an artist and do it. I think, I mean, not, I didn't think it consciously, but I think for a while I thought, you know, I put away all the fashion magazines, was like, fuck you, you know, and that was really painful. But yeah. I, and then I really enjoyed the freedom of just the landscape. But then, but then I felt, didn't feel like I was being true to myself. So it was like coming back and trying to work out a way to, to, to embody those women again and to be true to them and but it was full of paradox because the minute I you know I started painting women and I was accused of being you know I had women say to me I was regressing and and um, you know objectifying women and so there was a lot of was that what, that was what, in the 80s right so was that because it was um why, why were they saying that because it wasn't it wasn't a it was very un-PC to be painting women at that stage you were it was much better to be, you know, making objects or um, mm. it made a lot of sense not to paint women, actually. Yeah, right. But I didn't, <laughs> but I wanted, you know, when you just know this is what you have to do and yeah. things came around, though, because I, and I, I loved, and I was, I loved film. I loved, I loved literature and mm. I kind of knew there was a bigger picture here. Mm. And I was older than than a lot of the my the students, so I think I had a bit of remove. So right, I survived it. Yeah, and I and I did isolate myself, and I I kind of knew 
you know, I was doing what I wanted to do. Mm. But it took a long time to to kind of get proficient at it and like physically just be able to to develop techniques like painting techniques and all that sort of thing you mean yep and get the paintings strong and how to make them work on all kinds of levels and how to survive the stress of showing them and yeah I feel like it's taken me a long time like from my Mm. from my 30s to my 40s I look back and think wow that 10 years you know what happened? What, where was I wasting my time? I was, you know, <laughs> I, I wasted a lot of that. I don't what know do you what, mean, wasting it? What oh, do you mean? I don't know. I just think, what did I do? I, I kind of would go into these black holes of struggling and I'd work very slowly and, like, incredibly slowly. And mm, um, Like you mean on one painting, mm, you just work and work yeah, on the yeah, one? Yeah, I'd be, I'd, I'd hit kind of blocks, like walls, and get very... Um, Lost, yeah, and, and what sort of things hitting do you up remember? against walls of like uh, what sort of things would you be blocked on? How to how to kind of the reference how to how to work with reference and how to as in um, get my because I used to work from fashion magazine images. Yeah, I used to find images, and that that has limits to it. And because you're kind of working with this flat with no kind of information coming, other information. So Mm. then I started to do a lot of life painting. I started a class down at Linden. You know, I facilitated it. And I did that for about four years. And that really, that shifted things for me because I I think I started working from life. Mm. And um, I think it just got me mixing colours and really it was like an education. And it was probably what I needed. It was like eating really good food it was like (laughs) all the vitamins it was like I and then I could take that information and experience and apply it to my other painting my my idea painting because I I needed I needed the nourishment of the real life and then I could take it to the other and were you teaching yourself in those real life ones yeah yeah oh okay so you would have those classes and then at back in your studio, you would be working on a yeah an idea. Yeah. So, with what what sort of were the ideas that you were working on at that point? Are they similar to what you're doing now? Yeah. yeah. So at that point, so I, I probably should mention now that we. I mean, most people probably have seen your work, but um, we're talking about predominantly women. Yes. And uh, so you've you've got the figure of the woman, and usually, like mostly, in an interior setting. Yes. So at that point, you were doing that. Yes. And what were you? What were you sort of grappling with? What were the sort of issues you were grappling with? How to put a figure into a space, create depth. How to get the surface of the paint working. How to how to not give too much away. How to evoke some kind of feeling, and not but not make it one dimensional. How do you, what kind of clothes do you put on a woman? Do you take them off? Do you, whatever you do, it's so loaded. It's what kind of hairdos do you give them? What do you do with them? What do you, what did I want to do? What, what did I want to, what kind of thing did I want to create? Yeah. I really, I just feel like it's just taken a long time to find the freedom. Mm. I don't, I think painting is really complex. Yeah. 
That's why people love it and that's why it endures. But it's incredibly complex because you have so many choices of which way you can move mm. and all the moods you can create and, mm. and how to get the colours working for you and the surfaces. And, yeah. and it took me a long time to get my paintings looking how I wanted them to look. Let's jump forward. Let's mm -hmm. jump forward to 2000s mm -hmm. because um, you had a few exhibitions. You won a few prizes in the late 90, in the 90s. I started entering prize shows, and I would, I you know, I started doing okay, getting into them, and that was really great. Yep. And then um, in 2004, I won a big prize. I won the Doug Moran. Yeah, that's right. Hundred thousand dollars, and I was so shocked, and I was really. Um, it was so unexpected. Yeah, well, that was an amazing achievement. And was that, uh, from what I understand, that was the first time you were selected as a finalist in the Doug Moran as well. Yes, I never so entered it before. <laughs> and I only entered it because my friend was driving past, entering, you know, delivering theirs down to Hallam. <laughs> Hallam. Oh, you had right. to deliver it to Hallam. Is that a suburb? Yeah, yeah Hallam. Right. And so I just <laughs> popped my painting in too. No, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was just an off-the-cuff idea? Yeah, it was just off-the-cuff, and um, I'd already shown it in some other show. And but The painting was, by the way, it was called A Fine Romance yes. Number 9, wasn't it? Yep. So it was, it was a figure of a woman. It was like a profile. Yep. She's sitting at a table. And a laptop. Yeah. And I didn't even have a laptop at the time because what I'd done is I'd gone back and I was, I'd gone back and did fiction writing at RMIT. And I, for, so for a year, for a year, about four years, I was doing um, fiction writing because it's another interest I have. Oh, and um, while you were painting at the same time, yeah. Oh, and um, okay. I went, so I, I would go there one night a week and do short story and novel, and I absolutely loved it. And I, because I've always read a lot, I've loved read, you know, fiction reading. Yeah. And um, and I was writing, and I, I think it really unleashed. Uh, I, I think it was the best therapy because I, I think I, I just wrote out all this stuff about my childhood and my... So I think I released a lot of stuff wow. and that painting was like of that, pro, that feeling of just writing because I used to just... I loved it so much. Just going back to the Moran... Um, was that... How, that must have been a, a huge surprise... Yes. Winning that. Yeah. How, what was that experience like? Um, it was really, it was like a shock. I, I, um, and I, I, do you want me to be really honest? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually got sick. I actually developed a, a illness very all during that period. So it was a really tortured time for me because I felt this incredible good fortune mm. and that my fortune had changed and that and, and it brought a lot of opportunities to me but at the same time I had to my body went hang on this is too much I can't cope and I had so I had to really pull back and um, look after myself and um, so you think it was from the from all the emotional mm. effects right because I think I've always, I, yeah, it's just, mm. it's a tumultuous road being an artist. You, yeah. you kind of heat up against yourself and you, you know, and how the outside world deals with you and, um, yeah, how you survive all that and manage it. And so I feel a lot more grounded now that I've, um, 
And, you know, I like my dose of good fortune, but I also like my dose of just being quiet, getting on with my work and whatever will be, will be, you know, mm, and I'm, mm. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'll, yeah. It must be, it must be hard getting a lot of attention suddenly when you're not expecting it as well. Yes. Mm. Yes. You, yeah. And people start treating you differently and because mm. you, I used to get a lot of patronising attention and then things kind of started to shift. And look, I loved having a little bit more power. That was, and I, my teaching change, my teaching jobs changed. I started getting paid properly. I started getting better jobs. Mm. And um, so my life got a lot easier because I was, prior to that, I was teaching really low paid jobs mm. a lot. And, you know, it was wearing me out. And um, so it made life function that it could function better. Yeah. Um, I had time in the studio, and um, mm. well, yeah, then you went on to win the Porsche Geech as mm. well. And you've been you've been a finalist in the Porsche Geech. I think it's something like thirteen yeah, times yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, um, that's a sick of me, it's, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, which, of course, is a, um, it's a portrait prize as well. The the Moranza portrait prize as well, um, and of course, you've been finalist as well in the Archibald many times. And I just wanted to go on, actually, I did want to go on to talk about the Archibald um, a little bit because there's one painting in particular I wanted to discuss with you, and that was your 2015 finalist painting, which is called Baby. Yes. I really like that painting. Yeah. It's it, it's um, That's a scary painting for me. Is it? Can you, I'll just quickly, I'll just briefly describe it for people who are listening. Um, it's... Um, it's actually of a close friend of yours, mm. um, Ursula Dawkins, and yeah. she's a writer. Yes. Um, and she's in this pose where she's looking over a baby, sort of tending to a baby, lying on a table, um, which is sort of covered in a check tablecloth, mm. a very flat surface, which is sort of quite common in your paintings. Mm. And uh, But the point is that I read in the accompanying she writing, baby. she doesn't have a baby, no. she's not a mother. No. Can you tell me a bit about that painting? Um well, it was inspired mostly by going overseas and going to museums and seeing all those incredible Madonnas, you know, early Renaissance Madonnas and crazy oh, paintings, yeah. you know, with babies with little teeth and oh, those weird breasts <laughs> with the nipples and little angels. They just crazy. And they amazing, are crazy, aren't amazing they? Amazing paintings. So yeah. that's what kind of triggered it. And the other thing is... Um, giving myself the permission to paint a woman with a baby was a real leap for me because you know you think how can I do that I don't have a baby but whatever you know why do I have to own everything I can't you know I, yeah. the territory is mine if I want it you know it's hard as a woman I think you're not always um you know how to take up territory how to how to t how to uh, allow yourself to, yeah. to to paint a certain subject. Yes, and feel okay about it. And um, so when yeah. I, it was so fun to do it. <laughs> I, I'd like to do it again, but it's just it was such a daunting painting, and I just didn't know whether I was going to pull it off because I did try and do another one of a woman breastfeeding, and I just couldn't do it. It was too. It went. It went into closure. It didn't kind of. Um, open anything up so that painting worked because I think there was a bit of openness about it there was mm. a bit of ambiguity about it and 
And it's so funny because women came to, up to me and said, oh, you've really caught that eye contact between the mother and the baby. And other women came up to me and said, you've really caught that horrid kind of monstrous woman. And, and other people would come and say, the baby's not even smiling. It was just... Oh, isn't that funny how people deter- interpret it in different ways? Incredibly. I've never... It was just... I wished I could... Oh, you know, I could have written them all down. It's like a comedy act. It's just... <laughs> It's just, yeah. Well, the baby is, um, actually, I've seen that in a few of your paintings where it's it's like a very um, flat surface that the figure is on. Yeah. And it's not sort of sinking into the surface. There's no yep. sort of softness or anything to no. it. It's sort of hovering, yep. almost hovering above the surface yeah. sort of a thing. Yeah. If I created this kind of soft, it, it would have all got too specific and I had to make it a little brutal, the baby because it's kind of an unlikely surface. You wouldn't yeah. really put a baby on a... But it needed, it, was like a, it was like a dining table almost. Well, someone said it looked pot. like a cobweb, you know, that created a kind of a web, the, the grid. So the grid mm. and the baby, it needed something to hold the baby. So that was a deliberate Yeah, I think... Thing. Yeah, because yeah. I had to work out a way to not make it too squishy and kind of hold it firm. Yeah. literally hold the baby firm and so the mother could be well that's actually quite hard too when you're imagining a scenario it's hard to get the perspective right yeah isn't it yeah because that perspective is you're sort of almost looking down mm. on the table but yep. you're also seeing the mother yeah bending over yeah, the baby yeah, so yeah. that it I can imagine tricky. that's quite tricky yeah. yeah so I often start my paintings by doing some little just little pencil sketches just out of my imagination because if I start if I start them with reality from reality if I take photos Mm. from reality often the the painting composition will be really dull so I, I what I do is I'll make up the composition in and I'll draw it up and then get my reference and make the reference fit into the my my idea oh, and, right. and my composition that I make up in my head. And that's why they're, they're often distorted because they, it has to be painting logic. It has to be my own pictorial painting logic. And the reality has to fit into that, not the other way around. What do you mean by that, the okay. painting logic? Well, you've got this picture plane and how to, how to create some kind of space, some imaginary space so my imaginary space has to be the priority here. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily about the right perspective or it, it's my perspective. It's, it's yeah, what's right. going to create nice shapes and emotive, what's going to serve the painting's idea. Mm. So the negative spaces have to serve the purpose of what I'm trying to make, the mood, the atmosphere I'm trying to create. Mm. So you, so for example, like in, I've seen in some paintings, the actual perspective of the background or whatever will not, it won't yeah. sort of make sense with the yeah. figure or whatever. So. But it will, but it will make sense often by the negative space will feel, it'll have to have a few things happening. It'll have, the negative space will make sense. The angles may, may not make sense, but it's balanced by the fact that the negative space makes sense mm. or the colour makes sense. So the, all these things kind of sit and they, they will hover and make some kind of sense. 
Because if I made the, the perspective correct, uh, often it will create really ugly shapes mm. and ugly kind of shadows and colours and it's not my interest. Mm. So I, I, this is where the, you know, it's, I will distort because it's what the painting needs. And is that with also with the figure? So because yeah. the distortion yeah, of it, yeah. many it's of what's your gonna, figures. Yeah, yeah, it's what's going to give the, the figure some kind of weight experience. Yeah. What's going to what's going to feel, what's going to make the figure feel how I want it to feel. Mm. Because the, um, yeah, so the figures basically, I've noticed actually the distortion is increasing a bit more in this last series. I mean, the head and the hands in mm. particular are usually smaller than, you know, the usual proportions of the figure. Well, usually the, the body gets bigger as I <laughs> draw it. Sometimes. Oh, so it's that, it goes that way yeah. rather than the head getting smaller, it's yeah, more the yeah. body getting bigger. Yeah, because sometimes I'll draw it up and then I paint it and I, yeah, and it's just kind of what needs to happen to make it all sit. Because mm. I noticed we were looking in your studio earlier mm. and you're working on a new series that you're starting. So we've got the canvas on the wall there. It looks oh, so fantastic to see this process. It's fantastic. So you've got, char I think it's charcoal, isn't it? Yep. So you're working with figures and charcoal, but I can see that you've rubbed oh, off. Yeah previous versions ten times. that's what I tell my students I, I wipe them off like 10 times often I'll sit with them go no she's not big enough she's this you know and I will just sit with it for months sometimes and just just sit and look at it for months until I you mean even that stage the drawing yeah, stage yeah sometimes I'll whip into it really quick but it's always better if I'm hold off is really good. It's really good if I, I haven't got my canvas ready and I have to sit with it for a month and it's excruciating because <laughs> I want to get on with it, but I'm made to sit with it. And often by the time I get to the canvas that I want to paint on, I've, I've really nutted it out in my head what needs to happen. It's all problem solving. It's all formal problems of space, shape, line, angles. So that... So that, when you were talking about negative space, that's an, a very important yeah. part of it. Yeah. And so at that point, when you're nutting out the composition, basically, yeah. so that's what you're doing at yeah. that stage. Yeah. And I'm not, imagining the colours oh, too. Oh, right. I was going to ask, are you thinking of colour yes. at that point? Yes. I'm starting to think about, you know, the major, the major passages of colour. What are they going to be? How dark? How light? Where's the light coming from? Yeah, it's like actually whole... talking about light. That's really interesting mm. because the light in your works yeah. really, really impact on the atmosphere. I yes. think, and there's that atmosphere. I wish of... it was more. I wish I could do it more than I can. It's what do you mean? Because it's tricky how to do light. It's um, I wish. I wish I want them just so light field. I wish I could do beams of light coming from every which way. I just love light. Because oh, I, really? love, I love, I love, I love light days. Like today is really dull. I love, I love, I feel like light is just incredibly magical, and I love beams of light. And so when the sun's out, I just love it. And I, yeah, I would love to create that more with my work. But well, well, actually, that's funny you should say that because I get the feeling of a very diffuse light. Yes. When I look at your work. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think, the beauty yeah, of it. Yeah. Because it's a very tonally yeah, yeah. 
there's but not a need, huge there's yeah, not a huge variation. It needs the light. It does, but there's still light there. Yes, I know what you mean. I don't. It's not like razzle dazzle, <laughs> but I love the sense of there's got to be some strong light force in mm. there. Yeah, mm. the balance of the boat, light and dark. Mm. Yeah, and I do push my colours back all the time. I from teaching painting, I learnt about complementary colours and always um, putting the complementary into each colour to push it back, learning to just push colour back and so then there's Actually, I was scope. wondering about that. So you usually use the complementary ah, to, yeah. to reduce the sort of yeah. saturated one yeah, yeah. the chroma or whatever. Yeah. Do you always use, do you find that you use the same palette Yep. You, so you've got your favourite colours. Yeah, but then occasionally I get a, like at the moment I've got this certain green in my mind that I've seen before and I want, I've never painted with it before. It's like a viridian green. Oh, yeah. But I've got it, I make it, you know, I don't use it pure, but I love it and I want to do something with virid, that viridian strange, it's a strange green. It's not a, it's not a warm green, it's kind of a, it can be a really ugly green, but it's, but I, you know, it's occasionally there'll be a new kind of inspired idea of some colour combination or that will come in and, you know, that and you I'll find myself, I'll with. start wearing the colours and really? it'll be, yeah, yeah, it'll kind of, I'll start knitting with the same colours and yeah, it's I just like infuses, yeah, it just infuses See. everything. Yeah, no, I knit in the studio when I'm painting, I will paint and then I, um, I sit and knit because it's like a anxiety I sit and just knit and just look up and oh, I know what I have to do and I get up and start painting again. Oh, so that's I, a good idea. Yeah, no, it works for me. It's, yeah. um, it's just takes care of my, my hands for that moment. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, oh, I've got to, so I do a bit of painting and then I got to sit and see what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, sit back and yeah. see what I've done, what I've got to do next. I can't just stand at a painting and just keep painting. It doesn't... It doesn't make sense to me. I've got to, because the kind of work I do, I've got to, I've got to do a bit of painting and then sit back and see what I've got to do next. I can't, um, because I'm not working from life or anything. I've, I've got to, the painting's got to, I've got to keep it working as a whole and. Right. So it's not as if, so when you start, you're not, you haven't got a definite no, idea how it's going to no, end up. No, not at all. I might have some inkling of a feeling. It's never how I, it never finishes up how I wanted it to. It's always strangely in spite of myself that it gets finished. <laughs> and it takes me sometimes that time to love it. I'll take a couple of years to love it or see what it is. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm always, I remember with baby, I had, I remember wrapping her up to send her off up to the, entering her in the Archibald and thinking oh who's gonna love you you know you're you're preposterous I just I oh, really <laughs> yeah so you didn't like it when you finished it I was you... kind of didn't know what I just I knew it was kind of full-on and I knew I thought what the hell is this and <laughs> I knew it was powerful yeah. I knew I'd walk yeah. in and think what the hell and because my mum that was when my mum was um, going through all, you know, dad had died and I was dealing with my own mum and um, so I'm sure that came into well, she that. Had poor, she was in poor health. 
Yeah, well, yeah. she, you know, we, I was having to deal with my mum a lot at that stage and get her into aged care. And so mm. I was really dealing with my mum. And so that was yeah. the painting for me. It was like kind of <laughs> yeah. whether she was the baby or I was the baby. It was but just that kind of... That relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's so loaded. Full yeah. of, it's so full of meaning. And, but I suppose here was I starting to have to mother my own mother. Mm. so that was you know and you don't know it at the time you look back and go ah oh, no wonder I needed to paint that at that stage whenever I wrap up my paintings to send them off I always I'm, I'm just always filled with this feeling of they're just not good enough not what I want they've, they've still got so many unresolved problems but I've learned to just not give it too much. I, I can't believe it too much. Yeah. It's, it's just that critical voice is always very powerful. But it's only that I've got older and I, I kind of just listen to it and I go, yep, but I don't believe it anymore. I just live with it. Yeah, right. And it's, it's a useful voice because it, gets me working it gets me keeps me on track it it's it's the one that sits with me on the couch and problem solves my paintings I sit there on my couch and I problem solve and I I it's that constant assessing judging mm. um working out how to make something work but it's very hard to switch it off so when I'm wrapping my paintings and I've I've done all I can do and how to switch that voice off. So now I just go, yep, I'm feeling that again. Even the other day I had to wrap my paintings up and the last one I still feel this kind of wrench, like I'm not quite finished with her and I feel slightly this kind of feelings of shame, like she's not finished and really what deep feelings be? of shame that I'm not happy with her and... What shame, shame of I'm showing ashamed. something yes. that is, is and that everyone will see the thing, the, the the imperfection of her, or that it won't, it's that it's not good enough, or and I oh, I've, I've just learnt to kind of watch that in myself now and just tell yourself that that's not a faulty thinking. I think it's a and to be curious of it rather than believe it to kind of go. Yes, that voice is always there and I always feel this, you know, the shower painting of the woman with the shower. Yeah. I felt the same thing. There's a kind of a shame, like what have I... When I entered that one into the Archibald and I got in and I was a little horrified because then I thought, oh, no, I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to stand by this. Um, you know, I, I, it's a naked woman, you know. I have to kind of... Um, I have to deal with it now that I've and she's up on the wall in that really un, unsympathetic situation of being in the Archibald portrait prize and it's like whatever I just have to you know think uh, it's what, was it because was it because it was the person it was representing that you felt uncomfortable about or was it no, because of the painting itself the painting itself it's that a it's fantastic a naked, painting it's a naked woman and um you know it just feels I feel but it's like I almost have to be, I have to emotionally embody what the painting is in myself. I have to, 
I have to kind of go through it. I have to be the painting. I have to, um, so it's, it's kind of a fraught. I realize I kind of, I, I have to go through it. I have to. So it's sort of exposing something about yourself if you. And everybody. I think we're all that person. Everybody is that person at some stage. It's, uh, but I have to be responsible for it at that moment that it's on the wall. So is it a bit of, do you, that you feel that you're doing it justice? Um, yeah, and that I have to, I have to be the one to wear it, kind of. I mean, you know, my model has to wear it mm. as well, but in a way I, I have to wear it. I, I painted it. It's, um, so it's, but it's kind of, that's part of my painting process. I've learned that these, these feelings I have are, it's like a trick. I have to kind of go through it. Um, it's a, a kind of a blind, unconscious process that I have to kind of go through. And I've learned to just trust it now that I mm. just go through that and, and, um, and just get on with the work. And then just let it go? Yes. And, and so then let it go and kind of think, and then after a while I kind of think, oh, it's okay. It's okay. I survived it. It's fine. It's yeah. um. And will you then look back on it, say, a year or two later and feel differently? Yeah, like I've let it go and a little bit more distance. I'm not, I'm not in there. Um, because I actually love, I love work that, that exposes our fears and like a like a dark dream I love work I'm mm. a, I'm attracted to literature that does that I'm attracted to work the films that do that and paintings I want to I want to see our unknown yeah. selves I yeah. want to well you do you do explore like a lot of intimate things yes so things intimacy. like cleaning your yes. teeth yes intimacy. or being in your underwear yeah, for yeah. example those L feelings of being, yeah. being, being a little unruly and um I think I've got, I've got real fears about that. I, you know, so, but, but it's really, um, but it fascinates me, that intimacy. But all my favourite paintings are all, when I look back through history, all those, all, all the nudes, like when we had Dagar here and all the ones of, um, I mean, it's so on PC, but the the room of all the bathing ladies, I just went zeroed in on it. Like, I think I just, what is it? What is it about a bathing lady that, that is so, that, that place where we go when we water and, and food and it's the body, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's where we grapple being ourselves. It's not, it's not about the ego place of being a personality or, you know, so the Archibald is, is about, you know, the famous person. I'm not interested in that at all. I, I would, people ask me, you know, would you ever paint a famous, I wouldn't be interested in painting a famous person. It just, it would just be not at all interesting to me. Mm. I'd be terrified. It just, I would, I know I couldn't, it's just not my interest. Yeah. Well, because the people, people that you have had in the Archibald have been like the, um, your 
friends. <laughs> yeah. They have to be really good friends that I feel really comfortable and they feel comfortable with me that I'm going to, they have to trust me with what I'm going to do <laughs> with their image. You know, there's, there's got to be mm. a real relationship going with them. Mm. And, um, mm. and I've got to live with them. I've got to, when I'm painting them, I've got to have some kind of uh, project, happy projection going on with them. I've got, to, I've got to kind of embody them in me. It's like a strange relationship that goes on. Um, what so it ends up being a bit of a self-portrait as well in a way always yeah more than probably yeah totally it's um I mean I don't even know whether I believe that we ever paint anyone else but ourselves <laughs> <laughs> really yeah I think we we try but how do we ever get away from ourselves that's we you know, I, I've always find it funny how people always paint in when I teach and they'll kind of paint versions of other people. They'll, they'll be always like themselves. They'll be a kind of a, a hybrid, you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what's interesting, that kind of hybrid that you create, a little bit of them and a little bit of you. And what, what's it? Do you have a routine like yeah. in the day? What yeah, do you do? Yeah, definitely. Um, I love a routine. You need a, I need a routine. I, I need to spend a lot of time just on my own and um, lots of space around my days. And I, I, um, mornings I just, I do like a lot of all my errands and admin stuff. And oh, yeah. I go for a walk and get dinner stuff for dinner yeah and then I get into this I have lunch and then I get into the studio in the afternoon you know for the from one onwards so from one till about like it's great this time of the year because it's a nice long day so from one till about six I'm in the studio it doesn't mean I'll be painting for that long because I will sit and read and procrastinate sometimes <laughs> I'll just I'll be like I sit on the couch and I and they'll be just like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to do any work. No, there'll be this kind of, I can't, I can't do any work. And, and then I just let myself, I'll read and, and then I'm working. And yeah. it's like resistance. I, I have to sit through it. I'll just, but if, I, if I'm in there and I just sit it out, I'll start working eventually. Yeah. But it's not that I, I'll distract myself because people say, oh, I get distracted. And I think, yeah, but you just keep getting distracted until you get bored of that. <laughs> you just sit it's it out. It's part of the process. Yes. Yeah. And I, you know. And Would I, you ever look at books? No. You don't, so you don't look at art books at all? No, not a lot. Yeah. I mean, I go and see art and no, it doesn't seem to help me. I do occasionally, but it feels very, that's a very outside my head kind of thing to do. I write, you know, I've got a diary I keep and like I'm on like, this is like 100th and 20th book. Like I, like I write. So we're looking at an ex, like an exercise book. Oh, wow. I'll do, With writing and, and little illustrations. So what sort of things will you be writing about? Just offloading my stuff, how I'm feeling, what's shitting me, what's, what's, what I'm worrying about, what I'm feeling, what I'm, who's annoying me, you know, just get yeah. it all off, off my chest. Yeah. And um, 
I find that really helps me and I draw in there and um, and this is this is where they all start this is where all everything starts from the just the the writing out of everything and um so you want so the ideas for the next painting might come out yep. from that yep oh right yep something there'll be some little idea lurking yeah. and I'll I think that's a I think that's a really valuable thing as well. I mean, I don't do it very much, but whenever I have done it, it's been so helpful. Yeah, because you just kind of get it off your chest, and yeah. it's almost like you get to see the comedy of your your, your kind of existence. It's like a <laughs> it's this very kind of grounding, and you know, you just put it down. You write out. You write it out. What's going on? Instead of holding it inside, you just kind of put it out there. You can kind of see it clearly. It's a bit like a drawing, and that's what I say to my students. Draw it. Try and draw it, no matter mm. how feeble it feels. Just try and put it into line, whatever the idea, because it always feels inadequate. Mm. But not to let that stop you. Just always draw it. And often I will, I will try and do that myself, and then I'll come back, um, and I'll always be surprised by what I do manage to convey in the drawing, but at the time it always feels inadequate. Mm. But that's, but that I think that's just how we work. We, yeah. But a painting always feels inadequate. I always feel that I never quite live up to my own vision of what I wanted ever, ever. So really, even when you look back, I'm always a bit. I go, I, when I look back, sometimes I'm kind of shocked at what I've done. I kind of, it's, it's I realise, you know, I look back and think, my goodness, I've done a lot of work and it's yeah. almost like I can't acknowledge it in myself because it would be too scary to really kind of see that. It's, it's like I've got to just stay in that kind of process of what's the next one, what's mm. the... Like the, the idea of stri feeling like you never yeah, quite, yeah, you've got yeah. to strive for something yeah, else yeah. because if you don't yes. and you feel like you've arrived, then yeah. what's the point almost? Yeah, and that I've never, I haven't quite captured what it's like to live now, you know, because it keeps changing. Life keeps changing and what, what, it's, what, is, what is it like to live now and in, in this body and in this place and... So that's what I enjoy when I look back on my older work is I, I feel the difference. I think I was different then. I was a different, I was a whole different person then, you know, and I see mm. the difference. I feel like I don't recognise it anymore. Mm. And is that because of uh, the figure you painted or the way you painted the figure? Everything, the colours, the, everything about it just feels unfamiliar to me now. Mm. I love that because I feel like we, it makes me realise we, we do change. We become different, you know. We live, we live and we change and transform ourselves and we have to, mm. to keep living. It's a constant, it's constant work, isn't it? Well, I suppose it's always, if you're not moving and if you're not yeah, moving forward. Like a shark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the stagnate. Well, if you do the same thing over and over again, oh, no. you know. See that? No, no. I, I, the minute I'm bored, I'm bored. Mm. I'm bored. I can't. I, I know when I'm bored, I'll move on. I like new things. I, like I've, 
I've just let go of a big body of work to show and it was that was a bit hard but now I'm just like oh I've got space now I can I can come up with something new and it's just so nice to have that space and is that that at that point is that your sort of most enjoyable part of the process yeah because anything's possible and and you know I'm I'm I could do something really special, you know. Mm. I could I could do something new and unexpected. The possibilities there. Yeah. So that's that's a really nice place to be in. Well, I mean also it must help to be have such a great track record and be acknowledged so many times every year with, you know, these art prizes. Does that give you uh, more sort of well it's given me confidence not to listen to the critical voice in my head mm. in that I've got I've, I've got the world giving me support so then it kind of it, it balances out the critical voice mm. so the two of them is really it's good to, to have both things whereas when I was younger I probably had more of the critical voice and um, I didn't so I didn't get supportive by the world so much. You know that I had to I had to earn it. Yeah. And, um, yep. So that was probably a lot harder. So. Yeah. Yeah. I can I can imagine getting that outside validation. Yes. The external validation yes. must really yes. just help you have faith in yourself in a way. Yeah. Because you you start to re- yes exactly it starts to balance out that critical voice inside you that mm, mm. is relentless. Mm. Well, Prudence, it's just been so wonderful meeting you today. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm looking forward to seeing your show opening at Australian Galleries in Sydney next week. Good luck with it. Thank you. Such an interesting artist. Hope you enjoyed this interview with Prudence Flint. If you're in Sydney, catch her show Bedsit, which opens at Australian Galleries in Paddington on Tuesday the 14th of November 2017. I'll get a short video of Prudence up on the YouTube channel um, over the next couple of weeks. To get to that, just Google Talking with Painters playlist and there's now over 50 short videos there of nearly all of the podcast guests. So after you've heard about their lives on the podcast, you can um, see inside their studios. And you can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, of course. Great to hear from you all. Thanks for your lovely comments about the interviews. It really keeps me inspired to keep going. Hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters. To be true to my work, I kind of have to go underwater and go in there and I have to be prepared to bear whatever I have to bear. I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't, um, I can't cut myself off. I have to, I have to go in there and feel everything I have to feel and be true to it. Thank you.